Look, you just saw a picture of the church, an intergenerational picture. That's who we are. We're not just young folks, we're older folks. We are the church together. And so I'm so thrilled you got to worship with us today uh, with all of these folks helping out. Glad you are worshiping uh, with us. And look, I know many of you guys might be here for the very first time. Welcome to Double Oak Community Church. My name is Adam Robinson, the senior pastor here. And man, I'm thrilled that you're here just to worship the Lord together. Thank you, Hayes. I appreciate that. Hey, grab your Bibles if you will. We're going to jump straight into Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. As we're continuing a series called Draw Near. We have been learning, if you haven't been with us, uh, this whole season about prayer. God gives us this invitation and a promise. He says, draw near to God. That's the invitation. And he says, and I will draw near to you. That's the promise. And the major pathway of doing that is through prayer. And so this whole season, we've been learning about prayer. We learned about the Lord's Prayer and what that means. It's kind of a model for us going forward. We learned about praying through the gospel. We learned about authentic prayer, that I can bring who I really am, not who I'm supposed to be, to the Lord in prayer. We've asked harder questions about, listen, does prayer work? What what do I do when I don't understand prayer? And hopefully, you're not just learning over the course of this series, but you're actually practicing this. That's the goal is that we would actually pray more regardless of how long you have walked with the Lord. We always have room to grow when it comes to our prayer life. That's true for me, that's true for you, it's true for all of us. Even if you're just kind of exploring faith in Christ, listen, this is the time to learn, but actually pray. You're going to learn by experiencing him, not just by learning. So I hope that you're taking these things and jumping in. You might want to go back and listen to sermons again or talk to other people about that. We've got a companion book, lots of ways for you to learn, but the best thing to do is to practice, to say, I want to pray. And this morning we're going to learn uh, yet another aspect of prayer that is crucial for us, and it comes in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Let me read this for you. Paul says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Let's stop right there. Uh, Just a small, really just half of that verse, but let's say it again. Listen, it says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Now, may say, Adam, that is not a sentence. That is a sentence fragment. That is not even a full verse. Why are we just looking at a fragment of a verse today? Well, this is actually an important part uh, of a longer passage on spiritual warfare. We actually looked at this earlier this year when we did a whole series on spiritual warfare. And look, when we do these series, these aren't just things we talk about for a time and leave them. That continues on. Spiritual warfare is a reality for us. Honestly, last week was kind of a fight for me. Last Sunday morning was tough. I was kind of walking through a lot of things, and the Lord kind of had to walk me through it. That might not have been visible, but it was, it was true for me. And I've watched the Lord do that. But what the Lord taught us in Ephesians chapter 6 is that he gives us spiritual armor through the gospel, defensive armor. But then he gives us offensive weapons. We have scripture and prayer. That's how you wage spiritual warfare. And so right here at the end, he talks about one of those weapons. He says, praying at all times, but look how he qualifies it, in the Spirit. The way we are to pray is not simply to pray or to say a certain number of words or to log a certain number of minutes or to, to pray a certain number of repetitions. He says, no, pray at all times in the Spirit. And the question we're asking this morning is, is what does that mean? What does it mean to pray in the Spirit? Am I praying in the Spirit? What would it look like to pray in the Spirit? 
This is actually something you see a few different places in Scripture. Let me show you another verse. Uh, This is in Jude, a short little letter, uh, just one chapter. So verses 20 and 21 say this, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. So here we have a different author, Jude, saying the same thing. But he gets even more specific. We're praying in the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul means. That's what Jude means. When we pray, we are to pray in the Holy Spirit. But what does that mean? How is that different from any other kind of prayer? There are some people, when they read this, they say, well, Adam, maybe that just means something like speaking in tongues. This is a different type of praying. And that might be referenced, but that can't mean the fullness of what he's saying, because Paul says in Ephesians 6 to pray at all times in the Spirit. You can't imagine anybody, much less Paul or anybody else, just praying in tongues 24-7. That would be a little bit odd. He actually specifically speaks against that in 1 Corinthians. So for Paul to say we are to pray in the Holy Spirit, he is saying something different. So what does it mean? What would it look like for us to pray in the Holy Spirit? Well, to help us understand this phrase, it might be helpful to look at a similar phrase that shows up even more in Scripture. And you can kind of see the connections between the two. It comes in Romans chapter 8. In Romans 8 verses 9 and 11, listen to what he says here. He says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Now, I love this passage. We've looked at it multiple times over the past few years. And I love it because you clearly see the Trinity displayed in this verse. Notice how all the references of God keep changing. He's talking about the same thing, but the names keep changing. At the beginning of verse 9, he says you're in the Spirit, and then it's the Spirit of God, and then it's the Spirit of Christ, and then it's just Christ, and then it's just Spirit, and then it's the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead. That's the Father. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead, that's the Father, will give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So the Father dwells in you, Christ dwells in you, the Spirit dwells in you. Why? Because He is three in one one and three, our triune God. But notice at the beginning, he says, you are in the Spirit. That's what we're trying to learn. What does it mean to pray in the Spirit? And he says, well, this is really as being same as being in Christ. To be in the Spirit is to be in Christ. Now, that phrase shows up everywhere. It shows up well over a hundred times in the New Testament. It is everywhere. The New Testament, through all the writers, are talking about us being in Christ and Christ being in us. And so to be in the Spirit is to recognize, wait a minute, I'm, I'm praying with the knowledge, with the understanding that God is in me, that Christ is in me. How? Through the person of the Holy Spirit. That I am living in a real and rich personal relationship with him. To pray in the spirit is to recognize that I can know him. I can speak to him. That he actually loves me so much so that he, he took his very spirit and put it inside of me. So when I pray, I don't just pray at the spirit. I don't pray about the spirit. I pray in the spirit because I have a rich and real personal relationship with him. 
So our prayers ought to be marked by a personal relationship. That's the nature he wants us to develop. The problem is that sometimes we don't recognize that. Let me ask you an odd question. Um, Where is God when you pray? Think about that for just a second. Where is God when you pray? Now, if you know your theology well, you go, Adam, God is everywhere, and so he's at all places at all times, and you just said, God is in me, so I guess the answer is, he is in me, and then God is omnipresent, so he is everywhere, and also he's in the heavenlies right now. Christ is seated next to the Father in the heavenlies, and all of that is absolutely true. Um, But where do you feel that he is? When you pray, where do you feel that God is? I imagine that most of us have had this experience where you pray sometimes and you feel like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. Anybody ever had that experience before? Like you pray and you feel like no one's listening. It just feels like you're throwing up a prayer and it's just bouncing back down to you. Well, think about that picture for a second. If that's how you feel, we assume that God is there, somewhere, not here, but I don't feel like he's anywhere nearby. I feel like I'm just shouting into nothing and, and there's nothing there. I feel like the prayers are bouncing off. These but I don't feel like he's here. Or take prayerlessness. If you've ever gone through seasons where you just don't pray at all, we're making a different assumption. You're assuming that God is not here. You're just doing your thing. And if you want to talk to God, you can kind of call him into your presence. But if not, he's not anywhere near you. You can just go and do your thing. We assume that God is not here. That's how we feel. Well, neither of those things are praying in the Spirit. To pray in the Spirit is to recognize that God is in us. That he actually wants us to engage with him personally. Not, not as a doctrine, not as an idea, not, not as a force, but as a person. To pray in the Spirit is to recognize that His Spirit lives in me, that I can commune with Him, that I can interact with Him. God is inviting us into a deep, personal connection with Him, and that's what praying in the Spirit ought to look like. But that brings up a very common problem. Because it sounds great that we can have this rich personal relationship with God, that I can have this wonderful back and forth relationship with the Lord. The problem is our relationship with God is different from all of our other relationships. We don't get to talk to God like we talk to everybody else. We don't hear God like we hear everybody else. We don't get to interact with God like we interact with everybody else. And that just makes things awkward, you ever talked to somebody who's socially awkward before? You ever had an experience? It's awkward, right? Maybe you're the socially awkward person. That's okay. God loves you too, right? So, uh, but look, if you're talking to somebody who's socially awkward, it's awkward. Why? Well, because they're not going to obey the normal conversation protocols, Like when somebody says hi, they say hi back, you know, and that one person talks and then you stop and the other person talks and you listen to them and and you kind of have a back and forth and at the end of it, you actually say bye, you don't just walk off abruptly, right? There's little conventions that we do in conversation we don't even think about until somebody breaks them and it gets really awkward and weird and it kind of breaks communication down. So you're thinking, wait a minute, did he just call God socially awkward? Is that what he just said? No, 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 no. We are the socially awkward ones in this illustration. We are the ones who bring the awkwardness to the conversation. God does want to communicate, but sometimes we don't know how to communicate with him. 
I mean, imagine it from God's perspective. Think about it this way. Think about trying to communicate with a three-year-old. Some of you understand this. This is my life right now. Some of you have done this before. Maybe you help out in our preschool area, and we are so thankful for that. If not, we need your help. Sign up. Uh, But look, if you're trying to communicate with a three-year-old or a four-year-old, they ask you a question, and you will explain something to me, and they will have a typical answer back to you. They will say, why? Right? They will say, why? Why has this happened? And so you will answer them plainly, clearly. You will explain to them the answer. And after you explain it to them, they will react to you by saying, why? And so you will try again. And you will explain it even more clearly. And you will give this to them. At the end of which, they will ask you, why? And this will go on ad infinitum until you simply say, trust me. Because look, they're not being annoying. They're not trying to frustrate you. They literally cannot understand some of the things that we're saying. They have not developed enough to understand things that we take for granted. Things that we just instantly know because we've been there for for 5, 10, 50 years. They haven't learned yet. They're just growing. And so there's a communication block when you're trying to describe things to a three-year-old. You're trying to communicate, and sometimes it works well, and sometimes it doesn't. Imagine an infinite God trying to interact with us and trying to speak to us and trying to help to us. There's not a lack of communication on his part. There's not a lack of desire on his part. Every parent wants to communicate with their child, wants to talk to them, wants to explain to them, wants to help them. There's no lack of love, but there is a lack of understanding, and that can sometimes cause problems. You actually see this in the book of Job. If you know the story of Job, Job goes through an unbelievable tragedy. He loses everything. And he's angry. He's mad at God for all the things that have happened in his life. And he demands an audience with God. God, I demand that you explain yourself. I demand that you tell me why. I demand that you help me understand all of these things that have happened to me. To which God replies, that sounds great. But before we begin, do you know how to create and maintain a planet? Because if you do not understand how to create and maintain a planet, you're not going to understand the answer that I give to you. To which Job puts his hand over his mouth and says, I did not know who I was talking to nor what I was asking. And he leaves without his answer. But don't miss this. God wasn't angry. He just couldn't explain it to him. And don't miss this. God answers him. He speaks to him. He says, I can't explain everything to you, but I'm talking to you. Job, I'm not mad at you. I'm listening to you. I hear you, and you can have that audience with me. But don't understand, don't assume that just because it's hard sometimes that there's, there's no communication, there's no ability, there's no invitation, there's no desire on God's part to want that intimate, personal relationship. He desires that. And look, if you've ever struggled with this and said, Adam, I want that personal relationship. I hear people talking about this personal relationship with the Lord. It just doesn't seem to to work for me. Look, you're in good company. This is not easy for me. It's not easy for any of us. It's different from other relationships. In fact, there was a guy, I've mentioned him many times before, a guy named Brother Lawrence. Uh, who has a book uh, by him called The Practice of the Presence of God. He, He lived about 500 years ago. He was a dishwasher at a monastery. So he was a monk, but he was like the monk for the other monks, right? Who did like the real work. He was like doing all the other work, but honestly, he was more spiritual than the rest of them. People collected his letters and and put it together in this book that we're still reading 500 years later. Uh, His idea was, I just want to spend my entire life in the presence of God. Every waking moment, I want to live in the presence of God. 
But towards the beginning, he has this one throwaway line. He says, but the first 10 years were really hard, which I love. Isn't that great? The first 10 years were really hard. 10 years? We're the most impatient culture there's ever been. We can't wait 10 seconds. We can't wait 10 minutes. He says, yeah, I, I worked on it for the first 10 years before I really got the hang of it. Guys, if you struggle with this, that's okay. That's normal. But here's the danger. When you and I struggle in prayer and we don't feel like he's close and we don't feel like it works and we feel that awkwardness, what we begin to do is we assume that the distance is real. We assume that he doesn't want to talk to us or we assume that that's just not available for someone like me. And so instead of praying in the spirit, instead of interacting with the Lord who has put his spirit inside of me, we don't truly pray. We, we really just kind of file a report. It's almost like we're sending God telegrams. Remember those? Back in the day, way in the dark ages before email, right? When you had to do different things, you would send a telegram. You'd get two or three sentences and you'd, you'd type it out and you'd send it off and it might be days, weeks, months before you get an answer and you didn't even expect one. And for some of us, that's how we pray. We say a prayer and when we're done, we throw it up and here it is, God. Good luck. And then you just leave it there and you go about your day because we don't honestly expect God to answer. We don't expect him to be imminent. We don't expect him to have an interaction with us. And so we settle for praying, but we don't pray in the spirit. But what if God is inviting you into more? What if he actually intends for more? You see that in a different passage. You see that when Jesus meets a very particular person in John chapter 4, uh, he meets a woman at the well. I won't read the entire passage for you today, but uh, Jesus shows up. It's very early in his ministry. He's passing through Samaria. It's an area where people don't really like Jews at all. He sends his disciples off to buy food, and then he kind of waits at this well. And while he's there, a woman comes, middle of the day, which is kind of odd. Most people come early in the morning. She clearly doesn't want to be around anybody else. And Jesus knows why. She's got a reputation. She's cheating on her husband now with a new guy, and she's had a string of husbands before that. And this is not a secret. The town kind of knows. And she's tired of dealing with all their looks and everything, so she would just rather come by herself. And so she shows up uh, at this well, and look what happens. John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Now think about this incident for just a second. This woman comes to draw water. She just doesn't want to be bothered with all these other people. She sees this guy here. She can recognize that he is a Jew, and he's asking her for a drink. She does not recognize that he is the Messiah. We can cut her some slack on that because nobody else really recognized him either. But when he says, hey, let's have a conversation, she throws every reason at him why they should not be conversing. She throws his gender at him. She throws his race at him. She throws his occupation at him. He's a prophet. 
What she won't say, but what she feels is she would throw her lifestyle at him. Look, people like you shouldn't be talking to people like me. There are all the reasons in the world why we should not have a conversation. And put that verse back up there. Look what Jesus says. He says, if you knew who I was, you would have asked me and I would have given you living water. Let that sink in. If you knew me, you would have asked me and I would have answered. If you knew me, you would have asked me and I would have answered. This is the message of Jesus Christ to us. It's the message of Jesus Christ to this woman who did not know that God had not abandoned her. God had not forgotten her. God was not just throwing her away like seemingly the rest of her town had. Jesus comes to meet her on purpose. Jesus reaches out to her. He breaks down all the barriers and reaches out to her. He's giving her an invitation into intimacy. Something she desperately craves and needs and wants, just like the rest of us. He says, if you knew me, you could ask me and I would answer. And that is exactly what he is saying to us today when he says, I want you to pray in the spirit. He is inviting us into intimacy. He is inviting us into a deeper personal relationship with him. And he said, yeah, but Adam, God hasn't done that for me. He went and chased this woman down. He put himself in a place where he could meet her. He broke down all the barriers. He hasn't done that for me. Absolutely, he has. In fact, he's done even more than that because this same Jesus will leave that well and he will go to a cross. On that cross, he will die for our sins, specifically your sins. He takes all of them upon himself, drinks it down. He will die a real death, rise three days later. And when he turns around, he does not turn around to heap shame upon us. Instead, he offers forgiveness. He offers grace. He offers his spirit. And to prove it, he says, I'm going to take my very self, my spirit, and put myself in you. That forevermore you might have a relationship with me. He is still giving this invitation to intimacy. He speaks to us and says, if you knew me, you could ask me and I would answer you. So if you know Jesus Christ, why wouldn't we ask and expect an answer? Because he's inviting us into a relationship with him. This is what it means to pray in the spirit, is to live in him, is to grow in him, is to pray knowing that I actually can have a real relationship and interaction with the Lord. And so this morning, I would love for you to ask yourself that question. Are you praying in the spirit? When you pray... Are you praying in the Spirit? And I have six quick questions to help us evaluate if this is really happening in our lives. Are we praying in the Spirit? The first question is this, is do you know Him? Do you know Him? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Let's go back to that passage in Romans that we looked at earlier. Look what it says here, Romans chapter 8. He says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if... In fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. Now look, he's not saying that to scare you. He's saying that as a matter of fact. He says being a Christian is not about assigning yourself or agreeing to a certain set of doctrines. Being a Christian doesn't mean that you are a generally good person. Being a Christian does not mean that you have avoided most of the big major sins that our culture defines as evil. Being a Christian doesn't mean I show up at church occasionally. Being a Christian doesn't mean any of these things. Being a Christian means this, that I have come to a place where I recognize that I actually am a sinner. 
and that I can't fix myself, that I am not in control, that there is actually a judgment on the things that I have done. There's a judgment day coming, and I'm going to lose. There's no way I can stop it. I can't fix it. I can't make amends for all of my sins. And so I just have to throw myself upon the mercy of God to only to find that this God loves me so much that he would send his very son to die for me. He gave his life for us and that he ascends after, after dying for me. He rises from the grave. He has forgiven us, offers me grace and says, I am inviting you to know me. To become a Christian means this. I have surrendered my life and given myself to Jesus Christ. When we watch the baptism water stir, what are we watching? We're seeing a picture of somebody who has said, my old life is dead. The old me is gone. And I am raised to walk in newness of life. I am a brand new person. Why? Because the spirit of God lives in me. And because he will never die, I will never die. I am in him. He is in me. I am in the spirit. The reason you can interact with him is because he is truly, really in you. Some of you have been dancing around this for decades. We dance close, we get in and out, we know a lot about the Lord, maybe you heard him, maybe we grew up in him, but if you ever come to a place in your life where you have surrendered your life to him, not that you're perfect, but you come to a place where you say, I cannot fix myself, but I have come to believe that Jesus is the son of God, he loves me, he died for me, and I'm ready to know him. And just like this woman at the well who thought that God was somewhere distant only to realize he was closer than she could ever imagine. She heard the invitation of God. If you knew me, you'd ask me and I would answer. I wonder if some of you, even right now, I mean, your heart is beating out of your chest because God's been trying to get your attention forever. You come up with so many excuses. It's, wow, it's not time or I'll get there. Oh, it'll be some other time. And the Lord continues to invite you. Why would you not surrender to him? Even right now, don't wait for the end of the sermon. Right now, would you put your faith in him? Right now, you can say, I hear you, I surrender. Lord, I am finally ready to say, it's not about me, it's about you. Lord, I did mess it up. I need your forgiveness in my life. Could you even right now put your faith in a God who loves you and is inviting you into a deep personal relationship with him? Don't settle for just religion. Don't settle for for just all the, the trappings of being good. Man, find a relationship in Jesus Christ. That is what he offers. You can't pray in the spirit until you know him. Do you know him? Do you have a relationship with him? That's question one. Question two is this. Are you talking to a real person? Are you talking to a real person? To pray in the spirit means that I recognize that God is real. He is in me and I can interact with him. He is not an idea. He is not a force. He's not an energy. He's a person that you and I can interact with, which means you can expect him to reply back. You can expect interaction. See, for some of us, we don't do that. For some of us, we just talk at God, and that's it. You ever met somebody who just talks and talks and talks and talks and talks, and they just don't listen to you? And like, they just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, and they never actually let you have any time to talk, and they just talk and talk and talk and talk, kind of like a preacher. They just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, and they never actually listen to you. You don't know anybody like that? Don't point, that's rude. Well, it's not fun, right, to talk to somebody who doesn't listen to you. How must God feel sometimes when all we do is we just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, bah, and then we run off. He's like, ah, next time. 
Because we're not listening. When was the last time we recognized, hey, I'm talking to a real God who, who can interact with me, who wants to speak with me, who wants to help me, and when I'm talking to a real person. This is why rote prayers just won't do for adults. We don't do form prayers. Even when it's a good prayer, our Father, art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And you just say it as if saying like these certain words make it somehow more special. Just saying certain words isn't special at all. Rote prayers are great for kids. God is great, God is good. Let us thank him for our food, amen. That is awesome for children. It helps them, it teaches them a form. It helps them go. That is not good for 30-year-olds. That's not good. These are not good prayers. Why? Because we don't just talk in circles at people. I, I've never understood people in different traditions. I'll say, well, just take this prayer, say it 10 times, and you'll be good with the Lord. What? Really? Why? Why would that work with anybody? If you're in a relationship with somebody, saying something 10 times over isn't going to do anything. It is denying the fact that we are in the Spirit, and the Spirit is in us. What would happen if every time when you sat down to pray, you recognized that you're not just going through the motions, you're not just checking a box, you're not just doing a spiritual activity, but you're interacting with the God of the universe? We said it earlier today. Hey, hey says it all the time. We, we say this often of just, hey, let's turn our mind's attention and our heart's affection to the Lord. Anybody here at Double Oak is going to recognize that phrase? We say it a lot. What do we mean when we say that? Well, we're saying, I want to take my mind and my emotions and I want to purposely focus them on the Lord. I don't just want to kind of drift in and out or go through the motions. I want to be intentional about my interaction with the Lord. We're recognizing that he's a person, a person you can know, a person who loves you, a person who cares for you. What if every time you sat down to pray, you just took a moment to recognize, I'm about to personally interact with the Lord, a God who loves me and cares for me. How might that change the way you interact in the prayer that's praying in the spirit? Here's the third thing. Are you listening? Are you listening? If prayer is an interaction with a real person, then that means that prayer is two-way communication. It's not a one-way endeavor. We ought to be listening. If we speak, and we should, we're invited to, we also ought to listen. You say, wait a minute, are you telling me that God's going to speak back to us? Yes, he will. Look at this. Here, this is John chapter 16. This is right before the crucifixion. Verses 12 and 13, and here's what Jesus says. He goes, I still have many things to say to you. But you can't bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Jesus is about to be crucified. He says, listen, I have so much to say to you and I am out of time in this part of my life, but I'm still going to teach you how through the spirit. I'm gonna come and live in you through my Holy Spirit. I'm going to continue to teach you. I'm going to continue to help you. We ought to expect that God is going to speak to us. Say, yeah, but Adam, I'm really nervous about that because, look, I sometimes get your voices in my head and I don't know, I mean, how do I know what that is? I mean, is that the Lord? Is that me? You know, is that Satan? You know, is that pizza from last night? I mean, it could be a lot of things. How do I know what I'm hearing is from the Lord? And look, there's a danger there. You can't just baptize your own thoughts and assume it's the will of God. You can't baptize every feeling that you have and assume it's the will of God. This is where scripture is key. 
I mean, the clearest way you're going to hear the Lord is through Scripture. Why? Because it's written by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wrote this book. So when you and I sit down to read, we're not simply reading for information. Again, we're not just checking off a box, but when I sit down, I can understand that the Spirit who wrote this book is the one who's living in me and he can help me understand for today, at this point in my life, what I need to know, how I need to follow him, how I can grow. And so literally every time I sit down there's a possibility for an interaction with the Lord. The more I study scripture, the easier it is to discern his voice. This is why we don't simply pray. We also pray, and I hope that you're reading Scripture every day or delving into it. Why? Because it helps us listen for the Lord. We hear what He is saying to us. We begin to understand how He is leading and guiding us. Yes, it's different from our relationships with other people, but it's interaction nonetheless. But that'll never happen unless I stop to listen. Once I stop and say, God, what do you have to say to me? Not just what I have to say to you, but what do you have to say to me? What are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to show me when we recognize that this should be interaction? Well, that's how you begin to grow. That's listening as we pray in the Spirit. Question four, are you waiting? Are you waiting? So that sounds like what you just said. We just said we were listening. There's a little bit of a difference here. Let's go back to that Jude passage we looked at earlier. Jude, uh, verses 20 and 21, it says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. All right, so the difference between listening and, and waiting is this. Listening is active. Imagine you're driving home today and you're on 280 and you think you hear a siren. What are you going to do? Well, you're going to cut the radio off and you're going to begin to listen. You're going to begin to check your mirrors. You're going to look around. Okay, I'm beginning to actively listen. Where is that siren? What is going on around me? You're actively listening for something. Waiting is different. Waiting is passive. Waiting is just kind of like a state that you're in. Like, let's imagine this. Let's imagine that you had to take a 10-hour road trip to Texas with Jesus, Right? Or a 10-hour trip across Texas. How long does it take to get across Texas? Like, what, 45 hours? Something like that. I mean, look, it's a road trip. You're on a road trip with Jesus, okay? 10 hours in the car with Jesus. What would that be like? Well, I imagined you would have some incredible conversations. You'd have questions. You would have answers. You would talk about it. But then I also imagined there'd be some time you would just drive in silence. You need some time to process that. You couldn't just talk for 10 hours straight. And so you need to process this. You just be sitting there, but he's still with you. He's still right there with you in the car. You're not actively engaging with him, but he's still present with you. Okay, that's waiting in the spirit. How can I pray at all times in the spirit? Well, that doesn't mean I'm consciously saying a prayer every single minute of the day, but I can live in the presence of God. I can live in an attitude of prayer as I wait on him. Because listen, God doesn't just want to speak to you when you open up your Bible. God doesn't just want to speak to you just when you're in those moments of interaction. He can speak at any time he wants. This is what's been fun about our prayer is one uh, thing that we have been doing. Over the course of October, we've all been praying at 1 p.m. every day. We're doing this for one more week. Jump in with us if you want. It'll be great. I get an alarm on my phone. It goes off at 12.59 every day. And we're all praying wherever we are all across the city for just a couple minutes all at once. It's been fun for me because 
as I just go through my life, I have this random alarm that keeps going off at weird places and weird times. I'm like, why is there music coming out of my pocket, right? And, and I'm in different places. Sometimes I'm at a lunch with somebody. Sometimes I'm beginning a meeting. Sometimes I'm listening to an audiobook as I'm driving somewhere. A couple weeks ago, I was at a charity golf tournament. Sometimes I'm on the phone trying to counsel or, or help somebody. I've been doing all kinds of different things when this alarm has gone off. And it's just that reminder. I am with the Lord even now. In all the things that I do, in all the places that I go, I am with the Lord. I might not be actively engaging with him, but he is still with me. He is still here. He is still present. That's waiting in the Lord. Don't confine your prayer times to just those few moments in the morning or the few moments when you actively engage him. And open it up and live in the spirit, recognizing that he is with you, that he might want to teach you in places you weren't expecting Imagine how much you might be missing if we just began to open up and be aware that he's with us. Are we waiting? Question five, are we repenting? Are we repenting? Invariably, when you and I spend time with the Holy Spirit, he's going to reveal things to us that need to change. Whenever we spend time with the Lord... He is going to show us things about ourselves that, hey man, this is actually kind of sinful. We're going to need to work on that attitude. We're going to need to work on that reaction. We're going to need to work on that thing that you did. You're going to need to forgive this person. You need to ask for forgiveness uh, from that person. There's a lot of different things that the Lord might reveal to us. But anytime we spend time with the Lord, this is going to happen. This actually happens to the woman of the well. She tells Jesus, great, this is awesome. Give me the living water. Sounds good. He goes, hang on. Let's go talk to your husband first. That's right. Wait a minute. You're cheating on him. Let's have a conversation. Uh, And he steps into the one thing she doesn't want to talk about. He immediately brings up the things that she is most insecure about. He's going to bring up her sin. Why? He's not shaming her. She needs to understand that that sin's not going to save her. She's got to let go of the sin, acknowledge it, confess it, repent, so that she can be cleansed and healed and made new. We actually learned this the very first week. We, we call this series Draw Near. It comes out of James chapter 4, verse 8. Look what it says here. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. This is a call to believers. This is not a call to get saved. This is a call to say, hey, listen, even as believers, we're all still growing. There's things that we're gonna have to to work on. So whenever you and I spend time with the Lord, we listen to the Lord, we interact with the Lord through his spirit, he is going to convict us. If you never face conviction in your prayer life, it's probably not the Lord you're talking to. It's somebody else. It's probably just us. We're just talking to ourselves in our head. But when you talk to the Lord, invariably we're going to see places to say, okay, I need to repent of that. I need to work on that. God, I'm sorry. Would you help? Part of our living in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit is repentance. When was the last time we repented before the Lord? We heard that conviction and recognized, man, he's not, he's not being angry with me. He's not shaming me. He's, he's growing me. He's helping me. He's disciplining me. That's what fathers do for children. And he loves me. So God, I'm so sorry. Would you help me? And then we grow. This is what happens when we live life in the Spirit. And then the last question, what are the results? What are the results? What happens in response to our prayers? 
We said this last week, we're not going to get a one-to-one answer to every single prayer that we pray, but there ought to be change in us if we're living, praying in the Spirit. We looked at this before, we look at Acts uh, chapter 4, verse 31, it says, when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. Look, most of us focus on the front half of that prayer and say, wow, man, that these people prayed and the whole building shook. Adam, I've never seen anything like that. Well, nobody else did either after this. This is kind of a one-time event. But look at the back half of the verse. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. It's exactly what they had prayed for. God, help us to preach the word of God with boldness. He does so. He empowers them by the Holy Spirit that lives in them. And they go out and they preach the word and more people come to faith in Jesus Christ. When you and I are praying in the Spirit, we will see change. We will see change in us. Change like the birthing of of spiritual fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We will find ourselves drawn more to Jesus Christ, drawn more to worship. And yes, we will find ourselves filled in the Holy Spirit with answered prayers to build this kingdom, to help other people, to see him come and other people come to know him. We will see change when we are living in the Spirit. If we're not seeing that, then maybe we need to go back and say, God, God, what am I doing here? Where, where am I not really praying in the Holy Spirit? Because when we do, we will see change. This is the invitation of the God of the universe. If you know me, you'd ask me and I would answer. Christian, if you know him, Why don't you ask him and believe that he will answer? If you know him, can you believe that he cares about you, that he's excited about you, that he is wanting you to know him so much so that he is inviting you into a conversation? What would it be like if you had a more intimate relationship with Jesus than you ever had before? You are not disqualified. He is offering this to you if you and I will simply pray at all times in the Spirit. So do this, Roy. Bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. We're going to spend some time in prayer and worship. And with your heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you just want to begin to evaluate your prayer life. Maybe talking with the Lord comes naturally to you, but maybe it doesn't. Maybe you've had seasons with the Lord where that's been true, but this isn't one of them. Or maybe you just find yourself frustrated and and you don't know if you believe that anymore. And what if you could hear the voice of the Lord today who simply says, if you know me, you can ask me and I will answer. What an incredible invitation from the Lord today. So let's take him up on it. From wherever you're at, maybe in these next few moments you simply need to listen. You just need to listen for the Lord. We've said so much. Maybe you simply need to listen. Maybe the Lord is even now convicting you and you need to repent and say, God, I'm sorry. Knowing that he's he's not here to throw you away. He he came to you on purpose to, to help, to save. Maybe you felt distant from the Lord only to realize he he hasn't moved away from you. He's still here. Which day we could turn back towards him with our mind's attention and our heart's affection. Where are you? The invitation's the same. 
You can pray in the Spirit. Maybe today you need to put your faith in Jesus Christ for the very first time. Do so. Don't dance on the outside. He's inviting you in. And come find the peace and the joy, the eternal life that can only be found in Jesus. So I'm going to pray for us in just a moment. We're going to sing and worship together, but maybe you just want to continue in prayer. We've got places here up at front. You can come and pray. We had folks do that this first service. I'm going to be standing here at the front. If you just want somebody to pray with you, I'll be happy to pray with you. Maybe you want to sit. Maybe you want to stand, but let's not go through the motions. Let's accept the invitation to pray in the Spirit today. So, Lord, thank you. We in, we in no way deserve this invitation. And yet you keep giving it. And so, Lord, I, we're sorry for the times that the awkwardness has driven us away or, or, or pushed us into self-sufficiency or we just stopped worrying about it and look where it's gotten us. Lord, you continually invite us in. You continually invite us closer. Lord, today, for every single one of us in this room, could you draw us just a little bit closer to you today as we respond to you? So, Father, hear our prayers, hear our songs, but we choose in this moment to pray, to worship in your spirit.